It has to start with you and what you care about. That's what all writing is, is what's inside of you and things that matter to you and bringing those forward. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact, small towns have a big heart, and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. Welcome to another episode of the Small-Minded Podcast, my friends. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but my cheeks hurt because I have just been smiling for the past hour straight because I just got done with the interview with my friend Jenny Roth of Jenny Roth Copywriting in South Dakota. And she is such a sweet soul. I know you'll hear it as soon as she starts talking on this episode. But not only is she such an amazing human mom, wife, just person, but she's also a super talented writer. And in today's episode, we not only talk about copywriting tips, common mistakes that she sees and how to correct them if you're DIYing your own social captions, website, copy, email writing, but we also talk about some of the successes and struggles of growing a business in a rural area. And spoiler alert, there's a lot more successes than struggles as we share. And we talk a little bit about life and balancing being passionate about what you do with being passionate about being a mom. And she is just so transparent and lovely in this episode. And I know you guys are going to have amazing takeaways. So be sure to listen all the way through. You can get to her website so you can grab a freebie at the end and get on her amazing email list. And I'm just so happy to share this with you guys. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode with my friend, Jenny Roth. I am so excited to welcome Jenny Roth to the podcast today. I pronounced your last name correctly, didn't I? (laughs) You did. (laughs) Okay. That was something I forgot to ask in our prep before we started recording. So yay, Jenny's here. As we were chatting a little bit ago, I was like, we have like known of each other. We have been like in circles with each other's names mentioned. We've been DM friends on Instagram for a while now, but this is our first time being like person to person chatting. And we're both, I think it's fair to say, very excited about the conversation that is to come. (laughs) Jenny, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, what you do, your family, all the good stuff. Oh, cool. Thank you, Molly. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Thankful to be here and meeting you in person or on Zoom person (laughs) for the first time. Um, so yeah, I, my name is Jenny Roth. I live in South Dakota, a tiny town called Roscoe. So we have about, just to give your listeners um, an idea, we have about 300 people who live in my town. Um, as Molly and I were talking before we started recording, <laughs> we're about like 45 minutes from like, you know, the city, the Walmart, the grocery store, <laughs> that kind of thing. So it's pretty rural here. I grew up in this area um, and so did my husband. And we moved away for a while. And when we had our first daughter, um, we have three girls, we decided to move back here um, so that we could raise our kids here. And so Erin farms here with my dad. Um, I'm really proud of them. <laughs> they work so hard, cattle farming, grain farming, all of that. That's totally this area. 
Um, and so basically I had, um, you know, Aaron and I got married really young and we had three little girls like within three years, less than four years. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so looking back now and I see 23 year olds, I think, wow, like I had a baby then. And then another, you know, it's just so crazy. You know, um, that was just, just, just how we did it, you know? And so we had these, these girls and I really, um, you know, being so young, I was working and I, you know, but I had graduated from college and I always had loved writing and I was working. But I wasn't like at a point in my career where I was like, you know, had a hold on my career in this way that leaving it was hard for me. And I wanted to be with these kids. And I really recognized this precious time of my life. Like someone's got to, you know, be here for them 24-7 around the clock. I think it should be me. Like I wanted to try my hand at just being mom. So I was stay-at-home mom for forever. I still feel like I'm a stay-at-home mom. Um, <laughs> my kids are... 13, 11, and 9 now. They go to public school down the street. We homeschooled them until two years ago. So just fully hands, hands-on mother for a long time. And um, uh, as my girls got older, you know how it is, Molly, they're all like sleeping through the night and you kind of are starting to have some time to yourself. And I would find myself like thinking, you know, okay, I'm cleaning the house. I'm, you know, scrolling Facebook, whatever you kind of do when you have an hour. And I'm like, what, what can I do in these pockets of my day that is meaningful? to to me and that's meaningful to other people like how can i help other people how can this be meaningful to me and how can i still be here for my for my kids and so i literally made a list <laughs> i remember making a list as crazy as that sounds you get so wrapped up in motherhood you don't even remember what you do outside mm -hmm. of that um and so writing was top of that list for me i always love to do it like i mean this is silly but in college you know people are like oh i don't want to write that paper i'm like i'll write that paper for you for 50 bucks you know <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. You know, I've always loved writing. I went to school for Spanish, which is kind of like going to school for English, I guess, just a different language. And so I basically just very bold found like local magazines to this area, um, Aberdeen Magazine, Aberdeen, South Dakota. I reached out to them to see if I could write for them. And I started by writing one article, <laughs> like once a month was all I could handle. My kids are so little. Eventually I moved up to be the editor of that magazine. And then people started flooding. Yeah, people started flooding in saying things like, oh, do you write like websites? Do you write, um, I have this blog, I hate writing it, but it gets you no know, traction to my website. Would you do that? And I'm like, sure, you know? And so I've kind of started to figure out like, there's more to this writing, I, this whole idea of copywriting and writing to help businesses connect with their audience and make sales. Did a ton of training on that and eventually just moved into that because um, you know, you can work fully from home, magazine work, I'm traveling a lot to do interviews and things, and that's always hard with kids too. And so that's, I mean, really what I do now in a nutshell is I'm a copywriter <laughs> for small businesses, writing their email marketing, websites, blog posts, um, social captions. Um, email marketing seems to be the niche I'm in the most mm -hmm. and websites. But yeah, I mean, that's a really long-winded answer. I hope I... <laughs> answered your initial question. <laughs> I love it because I'm sitting here. I'm like, I hear so much of my story and your story, because I feel like we almost have parallel trajectories where it's like, yeah, I was similar to you, like young mom, lots of kids in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Similar to you. I was like in teaching, but I was not so deep into teaching that I was like, I'm going to lose my identity if I leave this position. And then like, your business got started, mine kind of was like, oh yeah, I guess I could do this. And then it just kind of snowballed for the best possible outcome. But that is so, I love hearing how people got to where they are. Cause I, 
think that it just goes to show that everybody's path is different. Everybody's path is kind of windy. And so you don't have to like have a business degree to have a business. You don't have to like have a particular certificate to say that you can go and do this. Like really we can build our own futures. We just have to be open and try things like your story is an example of. I love it so much. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I have carried a lot of guilt with me for wanting to be a mom (laughs) and like just even saying that out loud, you know, I, it comes with a lot of like guilt for me, like, Oh, it must be nice. You know what I mean? I I carry a lot of that with me and my husband's grandma is in her nineties. And I just remember, you know, she raised all her kids and then went on to have like a 35 year career. Like literally had a, like worked at her job for 35 years and loved it. And she was always like, there's time for everything. Like there's time for everything. And that always really, I always came back to that, you know, cause I don't know if you're like this too, but even now, like I want to do so much with my business and so much with my family. I really have to ground myself and be like, there's time for everything. <laughs> you're doing enough today, you know? So yeah, it's a gift. <laughs> well, I feel like we could end the interview on that because <laughs> that is such a, I know I can see myself making quote graphics of there's time for everything because that is such, I mean, so many listeners I know are moms and business mm-hmm. owners and just the nature of small town folk. We're volunteering. We're trying our hand at new hobbies and things like that. We're just very involved in a lot of different things. And I love that reminder. There's time for all of it because we can get so caught up in this hamster wheel that mm-hmm. it's okay to like take a breath. We have time. I love that reminder you just gave us. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I need it for me too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I should write it on a post-it and stick it yeah. to my forehead. <laughs> so I love that you kind of naturally, like, I love that you had the list and then you're like, okay, I'm going to try this. And you reached out and you took action and initiative by reaching out to these magazines and you just like said yes, as these opportunities presented themselves. So. What successes or challenges have you seen throughout that evolution of your business as you began and decided, okay, I'm going to pursue now copywriting. I'm going to be self-employed. And then you're growing this business in a rural area. What were some of the successes and challenges of that evolution? Yeah, that's such a good question. Like, I think that's one thing when I dove into this, literally, starting to be a writer and working from home in some capacity. Like literally, Molly, my goal was like, if I could just make $200 a month. I remember thinking that there's dance classes around here. Like if I could just make $200 a month and we could put the girls in dance. And when I went to the grocery store, I wouldn't like freak out about the budget. You know, I was like, that was like my goal. So when I jumped into this, I never was like, I'm going to build like, I wasn't like, I'm going to build a business and I'm going <laughs> to you know, be the one to support us financially. Like I just started so small that way and thinking about what can I do while still while still being at home. And I remember going into that very first interview um, with the Aberdeen magazine when I walked in there to see if they would uh, let me be a writer for them. Like I hadn't dressed up for an interview in like, I don't know, like six years and you would go through your closet, like mm-hmm. just felt so fake. And my mouth was so dry during that interview, I couldn't even speak, you know, and for some who knows, they took a chance on me, thank goodness, you know, but just that, like, I, I guess the point of all that is just like, you can do things scared. I do things scared all the time. <laughs> I do things scared all the time. So to think back just a couple of years ago, I couldn't even go into an interview and ask for a $100 writing job to now, like, I'm I'm the leader of my business. I'm closing much higher projects. I'm working with 
you know, six figure, multi six figure business owners on a weekly basis and helping them write their words like that evolution in a few years. Like if you would have told me that when I started this, I would have been like, not me. I can't talk to people. I can't speak at trainings. I can't do podcast interviews. I can't get on the phone with somebody and help them, you know, find their target audience and their angles for their offer messaging and help them, you know, have successful launches and sales and, and things like that. And so I guess literally the, the success I've had the most of myself is just being like, well, we're scared. Hello, fear. We're, we're doing it anyway. And that you just won't know what you're capable of unless you do it. <laughs> it's just like you just it's one step at a time. And so for me, that's been just a huge success um, in that that kind of growth and having to put myself out there when my natural tendency would be to just not do that. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's such a good when we measure like business success. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times especially on Instagram, I feel like, you know, we go into these trends that we see on Instagram. And I feel like in the last six months, it's been very trendy to see like $10,000 a month, six Mm -hmm. figure years. And I'm like, okay, that's one measure of success. But I, I'm so drawn to what you're sharing here as like the personal successes that you've experienced, the personal growth, the confidence, the excitement to be able to like do this on your own terms. And Again, I'm seeing parallels because I remember too, the first check that I got, it was for like, my first monthly retainer was for like $225 with with one client. And I was like, my gosh, because just, I'm sure how you felt too, is like, I had been a stay at home mom by that point for like three years or something. And it's been a long time since I like made my own money and I would have like substitute teaching jobs here and there, but getting that check for like a substantial dollar amount. I just remember being like, I made it. And I was like, Ryan, look at this check. And I was like, show it to him. And so like, it's those small things, like for especially people who are listening, who are maybe just starting out, or you're still like trying to land those consistent clients, like celebrate the wins, even if it's not that $10,000 a month yet, just like Jenny's sharing in her story you know, celebrate wherever you are, because that's a big deal for you. And then you can always grow at your own pace and have those personal wins along the way. I love that. Yes. And like, exactly. And I just want to say too, like that first, you know, that was in 2014. And now we're recording this in 2022. And so and that like you're mentioning seeing that six figure year and that 10k month on the internet all the time. I see that all the time too, and those goals. And I always feel like I almost kind of want to like call (laughs) BS or I want to know the story behind it because for me, like I just shared this with my email list. You know, I've been a working writer for a long time and starting off really slow, really part time when my kids are kids are young. And I'm just now at the point where I feel like I could financially carry my house hold mm-hmm. if I had to. My husband works too, right? So we're like we're like so privileged and blessed that way. So like it's taken a long time. And also I was raised, my dad's had his own business since he was 18. Like I was raised by an entrepreneur and like, I see like somebody running a business for 30 plus years. Like I know that nothing happens overnight. I know that you mm-hmm. don't get to the top of the hill and then you just coast into easy street. Like it's up and down. And so I, I think all those things should, should be more normalized. You know, um, they're hard. Same with my husband, Aaron. He's, you know, in addition to working for a farmer, he has his own farmland and we're just like, this is a, this is really personal, but we are just now at the point where we can farm without like taking out a loan from the bank. And it's been 12 years. 
So there's a lot of things like, I mean, it's like, for me, like, I guess, and that's just my own personal journey. Maybe it happens for other people, but none of this has happened quickly. It's, it's really happened quite slowly over time, building upon building upon things and getting ready for the next level. So, and that's just what I've seen around me too in business. So, yeah. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that because I think, like you said, just like kind of deconstructing what is behind those numbers or behind Mm. what you see on social is really important, especially for people who are still coming, are like coming up and thinking Mm -hmm. that it's going to be a quick win. I love that you're sharing that. So have there been any struggles along the way of growing the business? Like, I know that we're talking about South Dakota, like you said, 45 minutes from a Walmart. Did you feel like that was hard to build the business because you're in a rural area or was that different? I guess that that was a weird way to ask the question, but I hope you understand what I'm getting. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally get it. No, living where I live, you could very easily say, it's really cold here. There's nothing to do. We're an hour from the city. You know, it's so small, you know, but for me, I don't, I don't think that way at all. I think everything is what you make it. Um, There's incredible opportunity here. I mean, if you could see the my little tiny street where I am in my little office, like, I mean, I have a computer and Wi-Fi and I could do what I do anywhere, you know, and we choose to do it here for the freedom and the flexibility living here allows for our kids to, you know, just be kids and, and all those small town things, you know. So, no, I don't think living in a small town has been a challenge for my business at all. If anything, it's like been a huge support because you know how it is in a small town. It's like, you're a writer. Everyone knows you're a writer and they'll tell, you know what I mean? You are the one person that does the one thing and people tell you. So like, there's, there's a lot of love and support here for business and just for community and people doing things in your, in the community. So I guess my, my biggest challenge has always been trying to run a business and like, not to sound like a broken record, but be a mom at the same time, like those two worlds colliding trying to you know i constantly take on too much i i forget that i have a mom here and a mother-in-law and a husband and family that i can ask for help you know on a saturday afternoon if i need to catch up instead i'll put that on my own shoulders and trying to be like out here being super mom super business owner like at the same time like i it's all it's all me you know so that challenge you know of wanting to be completely present for my family and my business when i love both so much and could very easily pour myself 24 seven into one or the other is an mm-hmm. extreme challenge for me. Always thinking about the business. It's hard for me to turn it off because I, I love it. I really do. But I also really love my kids. So when I like today, I'm leaving early to go to a track meet. All the feelings, you know, like, ah, there's emails I'm not going to get out, you know, all these things. So that constant balance of almost being, having your feet in two worlds for me is the hugest the biggest challenge. I don't know if I have any advice for listeners on how to deal with it at all because it's just me, but uh, just to remember that you can ask for help and I I always forget to ask for help, always. (laughs) I think that is the best piece of advice, ask for help. And it's the hardest thing to do as well because I, and I don't know, like, again, maybe this is a small town thing that we just do want to do everything and we're like, oh yeah, I can make you a casserole for the bake sale or like for, the neighbor and then make the thing for the bake sale and volunteer. And like, we want to do it all. But yes, asking for help is the best way to as close to doing it all as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. And just for me too, I just like you said, I can very easily and I think that's a small town too. 
like you said that, like I have a salad I have to make tomorrow for a thing that I should have said no to, but I said yes to it. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, just kind of giving yourself that margin in your calendar, letting yourself say no, asking for help, you know, and just, and just giving yourself a lot of, a lot of grace. Like you're doing, you're doing so much better than you, than you give yourself credit for, I guarantee it, you know? Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Okay, let's pivot a little bit and talk specifically about copywriting because I honestly feel like it does not always get the credit that it deserves at this time. Copywriting is so important. And when I think people go into, let's say, a website project or they start that email list, they want it to look pretty. They want it to have cool photos, which are all super important. But the copywriting is what's going to make or break that client experience or convert that visitor. And I really want to hear from you, why should small business owners look to the copy in particular when they want to grow their business, add sales to their bottom line? Why is it that copy makes that deciding factor? Yeah, it's a great question. So The best way I can describe it is copywriting is nothing if it's not a walk in your client's shoes. It's like, it's just a total walk in your clients, your customer's shoes, knowing that person and knowing their challenges and what they need help with and what they're hoping to gain and the problems they're hoping to solve and and what they want to achieve and, you know, where they're at right now and where they want to be. Copywriting is knowing that and then connecting those customers to the business that can help them. So your business, whatever you do, solves a problem. So copywriting is that connection that when someone finds you, they can hear about you in just a headline um, and just a paragraph. And they can feel literally, I mean, this sounds woo, they can feel like the soul of your business and what you do and who you help right on the page so that they feel at home and they are like, yes, this person understands me. They get what's going on with me. They get what I want. I want to know more about them. I want to work with them. So copywriting, a huge part of it is knowing your customers and your clients, the thoughts they have, the words they're saying to describe, you know, their problems, the things they want, and just being empathetic (laughs) that you get it and showing them how you can help them. So copywriting is any anything that you write to connect with your customers. So whether it's a website, email, blog post, social caption, all that things to me is, is copywriting. Yeah. And it can be kind of a hard switch to make for somebody who is maybe DIYing their own copy at this point, because growing up, if you went through high school, college experience, we were really trained to write in a neutral voice almost. If and maybe I'm off base, maybe it's just my experience, but I like taking out emotion and not having those common jargon or vernacular. But copywriting is where we really highlight the way you speak, the way your audience speaks, those specific special things that are a little more maybe for your business casual or friendly, or maybe if you are in a certain industry a little more professional and buttoned up. But the gift of copywriting is that it can really have voice behind it. Am I in the right direction there? Yeah, for sure. Copywriting should have your voice behind it. Absolutely. And so when I talk to business owners about writing their copy, I always say like, 
anything you're writing for your business, first, you have to write it for you. Like, what do you care about? <laughs> what are you passionate about? What could you get on a stage and talk about? Like, what would you get into a boxing ring and defend? Like, what do you care about? You know, and I know that ties to your business in some way in what you do. Write about it. Talk about it into a voice recorder on your app. Get it out. Like, it has to start with you and what you care about. That's what all writing is, is what's inside of you and things that matter to you and bringing those forward. And once you have that out, then make it for your reader. Because all good writing, I think copywriting too starts before you, but in the end, it's for your reader, which if you're a business owner, is your client or your customer. So then make it for them, right? So you have this in your passion about why should they care? How does it fit into their life? What's the situation look like in their life? You know, um, this problem or this thing they want or this grudge that's holding them back. Like, what's it look like for them? So start with, you know, writing what's passionate to you and then and then change it to you, you know, as you go through editing and things for your for your reader. If you want to know if your copywriting has voice on it, I always tell people to read it out loud. <laughs> Everything you write, read it out loud and see like, is this how I would talk if my client like walked in my door? Is this what I'd be like? Hello, Mr. Johnson. So pleasant to see you today. Like if that's not how you talk in real life, then that's not how you have to write. Like write how you speak, write how you'd greet them when they come into your door, you know? So it's a hard thing to get out of your head because you're like, oh, this has to sound good. How do I sound? I got to sound professional. This has to make a sale. And just really, if you can remove yourself from that and make it all about the person reading it and how they feel and that, you know, your brand voice is all about how you make other people feel. So how do you want clients to feel when they read your words? What do you want them to know? Kind of take yourself out and, and just really put it on that client and their feelings. <laughs> I think that's such great advice. And I know that for myself, like, and you as well, like if I was writing for my Molly Knuth media, like I kind of feel that in my body. That's kind of woo too, but I'm like, I feel the excitement. I do things to get myself excited. So then I write that. Whereas like for certain clients, if I'm writing their social captions, maybe they're a little more reserved. They're in a different industry as me. I like feel my shoulders kind of like square up. I feel my body slow down because that's how they talk. And so then I type slower and I'm like that. So it's sometimes even just those physical reminders that are like, okay, how does this voice need to come across? What are those things that help me get to that feeling? And then that can come through in your writing as well. Maybe that's really weird, but that's what I do. It's not weird at all. And it's like, if you, again, it's like, if you know the client that you're writing for, like, it becomes so much easier to, like you said, like when you write for your your clients and you write in their voice, you're like writing for their audience, right? And so you, you know them. And so if you ever like tripped up and you're like, I don't know what to say, I don't know how to say it, like go back into your testimonials, do interviews with the people you've worked with before, do your market research, you know, Um, really get a feel for who these people are. And then I feel like you can dive into the writing for them better once you like know them. (laughs) Or like have that research about who they are in front of you, you know? So, yeah. That's a great tip. I love that. Do you see any other like common mistakes and like relatively easy remedies for those mistakes for anybody who's listening and they currently are like doing the writing and the copy building for themselves? Are there anything that you're like, this is something I noticed that I just want to like bring to your attention? Yeah. um, Okay. I know I was thinking about this question when you sent it and a couple of things that I think I do and that I see people do, and I don't know if they're mistakes or just like all these things that come up when you when you sit down to write. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I think I see a lot of is, I guess in copywriting, we call it like word, word salad. And that's like stuff that's like vague. So you see it online when it's like dream life. Um, yeah, better mindset. Like it's just like really vague. Like so dream life to me could be a completely different what dream life to you mean. <laughs> You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like, so instead of like, um, instead of just like word salad, like go deeper than like dream life. Like, what is your client's like? What does that mean? Is if you serve like moms, like, is her dream life being able to pick up her kids every day from school and you know never miss the track meets and have time to cook dinner and do homework at night? Like, you have to go deeper and speak more tangibly, right? So like, what what is the outcome your client's gonna get? Like. Be specific, speak to the outcome they want, their day to day and get really specific. So I guess one thing I see people like we could all do better is probably just be more specific when we're talking to people and that will help you stand out as well. (laughs) You know, you won't just be saying the same things over, over and over uh, that everyone else is saying. Um, I think another thing too is like um, having a measurable result or benefit transformation however you want to say it that people get when they when they work with you so a lot of times you see programs and offers and services out there and they promise like all these vague things and it's like i really just want to know am i gonna get xyz in six weeks or what like what like what is it like what is the measurable result so be clear be clear on that and tangible in in the picture that you're painting i guess in your copy are are two things and then just coming back to what we said before is just Writing is listening. Um, so listen to your clients. Use their words when you talk back to them. Writing is so much less about, copywriting is so much less about being like super creative <laughs> and so much more about just listening to your clients and, and what they need from you. Oh, that is so great. And I think if we're being truthful with ourselves, we're probably all doing the word salad thing. And I'm thinking back, like as you're explaining this, I'm like, oh yeah, because like I just recently, um, maybe not recently, but like earlier this year, I launched a couple of brand new programs and I was honestly like kind of building them as I was talking about them on social. And so I was definitely vague and people, I could tell because people were sending me messages and they're like, okay, can you explain to me a little bit more about this? Or can you share like what I'm going to get out of it? Can you explain how this is right for me? And after I received a few of those, I was like, okay, this is obviously a communications error that I need to clean up. And I could totally relate to looking back and seeing, oh, I had a lot of these vague words that were super intangible. And I really need to be more specific in what that outcome is going to be for my business owner. So I went in and I changed like business owner to female entrepreneur in a small town. And instead of talking about a mastermind, then I needed to go in and say, okay, what is a mastermind? Maybe define it because maybe that's where the error was coming in. So I, all that's to say, like, it can be an evolution too. Like you said earlier, sometimes just get it out of your head, put it on paper, then listen to your audience to identify where those errors or miscommunications are happening. And that can be a clue to where you can take that word salad and be a little more specific, clean it up, add in those examples and specifics. And then you can kind of evolve the copy as you go. It doesn't have to be perfect from the outset. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for saying that, Molly. I I totally agree. That was another thing I wrote down here too, is like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, 
just get it out there. Like, don't spin an indecision. And is it good enough? I don't know. And just like really beat yourself up over like being a, like editing it so much and worrying about it so much. Like you said, put it out there and see, like you'll, you'll get the feedback. And that's the only way you're going to get the data is to just start. Right. <laughs> that's such good advice that you gave. Oh, I, I, this is going to be such a good episode. I can already hear like, there's going to be so many takeaways from this. It's fantastic. You're sharing such gold with our listeners today. So tell me a little bit more about the people and the businesses that you've helped. What are some of like the processes? How do people start the process of working with you? And then what do you do with your clients in order to get a feel for what their business is, who they are, and like really capture their voice? Yeah, cool. Thank you for asking that. So when you outsource your copywriting, uh, this like I think the process is pretty similar <laughs> across the board. But basically what it looks like is you know, you hire the copywriter and the first thing they're probably going to do with you is kind of take you on a deep dive to figure out your brand voice, right? Like, again, talking about like, how do you want your customers to feel when they interact with you? What's your relationship with them? Um, target audience deep dive, right? Your copywriter is going to take all your market research that you've done and study it or do it on your behalf with surveys. Um, you might do phone calls with past clients to get, you know, their experience working with you. Gosh, you can like if you have an industry and there's books like written on that topic, you can read comments in Amazon to hear people saying like, yeah, I bought this book because I was feeling this. And, you know, just to kind of gather like that market research and think about like what's happening with your audience right now, like what's going on in their lives and in the market and the world that's affecting their lives that you can help. So your copywriter is going to help you gather all of that. And then also your copywriter is going to help you really pin down the angles of your offer messaging. Right. So like. Um, how do you solve the problem? Like what three problems, you know, like how, how do you solve the problem for your audience? What problems do you solve? You know, how, what are they going to achieve? They're going to help you uncover all of these like foundational elements of like your brand voice and messaging. And then after that, after you guys have all that <laughs> together, then, you know, it goes into the project. Once you have all that, it's just really a matter of filling it in. Then are we going to put it on a sales page, a website, email, whatever. Your copywriter will help you outline all of that and plan it. And then, you know, go through edits with you. So if we work with a copywriter, you know, usually they'll give you a first draft. You have your chance to make comments on it. Yeah, I think this sounds like me or actually I want to also add this in whatever. And then, you know, you have it at the end. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the process, but that foundational work is a huge part um, where copywriters often come in because people come to us and they're like, I know I have this amazing thing. I just feel like people don't know how amazing it is. <laughs> like, right. I just feel like I really can help people. And once I help them, they know I'm great, but I'm just having trouble like getting people to understand that and come to me. And so your copywriter will really help you kind of, you know, a messaging blueprint, if you will, for how you're going to talk about your offer, how your stands out, the language you're going to use, all that stuff. And once you have that, you know, one thing I've had clients say, and I've heard other copywriters say this too from their clients is like, even if you hire somebody to write your website, that language and that foundational work will help you talk about your offer wherever you're talking about it, you know? So um, I hope I answered your question. there. <laughs> yes. And I'm glad you brought that last point to attention too. Mm -hmm. Bringing in a copywriter can be a jumping off point for you as well. So I, I would imagine that you've worked with, well, I shouldn't put words in your mouth. But when you work with someone on a website, like, yeah, you can take pieces of that and use it on social and it'll help you maybe understand your brand in a way that you couldn't when you were no, like this close to it with your, 
like nose on your work. Like a copywriter can give you a fresh set of eyes and that can help you understand your audience better. It can understand yourself better. And then you can use that in various marketing avenues going forward. So just a follow-up question for your business. Personally, do you work with a lot of clients like in an ongoing format or is it mostly project-based that you work with clients in? Yeah. Just a quick touch on what you said too. That's um, exactly it. One thing people, like even when I write for my own business, it's it's super hard. And I have, like I'm in groups with other copywriters and editors where we like help each other because writing for your own business is hard. Like it's just, you're in your head. And so when you have that, whether you have a mentor or a friend, a colleague, like a coach, I don't know, like a teammate, a copywriter, someone to help you get all those ideas in your head for how you want to express the value and the offer you deliver. It's just somebody else to be like, yes, this is the gold in there. This is how we're going to like talk about it, you know? So yes, exactly. It's just like that other set of eyes. And then for my business, to answer your other question, I do both. I have a handful of clients who we work on an ongoing basis to do their emails, blogs, and social posts. And then I have one-time projects where somebody will come in and we'll do a website or we'll do a sales page or we'll do um, do a lot of email marketing campaigns like uh, welcome sequences that go out when someone comes onto your list or launch sequences if you're launching a new product to a list or a new service to a list. So it's a combination of both right now for me. I love it. I think that's great. More and more, I feel that in in this like online marketing space that you and I find Mm -hmm. ourselves, I feel that like a couple of years ago, I could do similar things regardless of industry, regardless of business, and it would kind of like hit the mark. And now I feel like as online business is progressing, like every situation, every business is so unique. They need different things. So I love that you have these multiple ways that your clients can work for you, work with you, not for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same. Yeah. It's like, and again, coming back to what we talked about before, like that just starts with like putting yourself out there and seeing what you can do for people and what they need. So that's not something that like for anybody listening, I was just like, yeah, I just know (laughs) this is what people are going to do. That's like evolved listening to people, people saying, I actually need this and me trying to figure out how can I provide that, you know, and I know you know that too. And so, yeah, that just evolves as you go, I think too. Yeah. And I know that through your evolution, you have become extremely busy as you've kind of talked about, like you're so passionate about this and you're so good at it that you get tons of inquiries. And I know just in talking to you in the past, like right now hiring and potentially bringing people on board is something that you're considering. So as you look in the future of Jenny Roth copywriting, how are you navigating this, like being in demand, balancing work with life and considering how to help as many people as you can? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. Just to be really honest with you and your listeners, I often feel like I wanted this level of growth in my business for so long. You know, I've been working at it, which feels like forever. And it's, I'm so thankful for it. And also I drop the ball all the time. <laughs> I mean, like I make, I, mess I can up. relate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mess up. I mess up all the time. I'm, I'm constantly trying to make my systems better, my client experience better, my processes better. Um, I am just starting to hire. I have had um, copywriters come in when I have overflow of work. And so I have that. And again, and I don't know if this is a good way to hire at all, but for me, it's just been like, let's try this and see if this is it. And what I've learned for myself is 
you know, I was an editor for a magazine for a long time. And what I loved most about that job was getting to meet with people and do the writing. And then when I had to like edit, you know, there's a lot of editing. <laughs> when you're making, you have to edit other people's writing, all that stuff. I did not like that part. And so I'm starting to, I was starting to like hire other copywriters to work under me. And then I'm like, I'm spending all my days editing. This is like the, what I hate about, that's like the part of my job I dislike the most. And so now what I've kind of realized is like, starting to hire a copy editor so that I can work with my clients, do the writing for them, and then hand the editing to somebody else. Um, starting to realize for me, I, I lack very, very much um, in Canva, graphic design, social media. I just, I just lack there. And so I was just really beating myself up for not being on Instagram more, not having this beautiful Instagram account, not being able, everyone's like, just go into Canva, it's so easy. And I'm like, oh, it's not easy for me. <laughs> Um, and just kind of realizing, like, I my marketing doesn't have to look that way. And so, you know, bringing on somebody who can um, book podcast guests with me so I can talk to people like you and, and have my own podcast and just do, like, that conversation just seems like such an easier way for me to do things. And there's parts of that, you know, doing a podcast and doing podcast interviews that you can outsource to people so they can help you with the parts that you're not good at. And so really just giving myself permission. <laughs> to do the things that I that I know that I'm good at and that I like to do and really figuring out how I can hire and delegate and automate, not, you know, so I can do that stuff, not so I have to, you know, I was so scared to hire because I thought then I wouldn't get to do the writing for my business. And that's what I love to do. I don't want to like oversee other writers. I don't, you know, I and so just really trial and error, figuring out what I like to do and how it's going to work and knowing it doesn't have to. A lot of copywriters, that's the next step is build the agency, build the agency, have the writers under you. And for me, I, I tried that and I'm like, you know what? I don't think so. I think it's going to work mm -hmm. different. And so it's, it takes a lot of, I don't know, courage and trial and error and messing up and starting over. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I love that you're being so transparent with this because I think that it's going to hit home for so many listeners as they're growing a business because there is no blueprint for this. We don't have as entrepreneurs and small business owners, like the next step outlined by somebody else. It's just like you said, trying things, saying yes, figuring out if it's working or not, and then being very courageous, I think, to say, mm -hmm. okay, maybe this isn't working and making that change or that shift as it's needed. And I love that you're sharing the the successes you've seen along the way, as well as some of the ways that you've noticed that you needed to make those pivots and adjustments. So thank you for being so open about that process. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's been for a long time. I don't know if your listeners or you can relate. I spun in like this indecision, like, you know, I don't know what to do. So I do nothing. I don't hire anybody. I just keep going. And it kind of got to this point where it's like, you know what, you're going to have to just make a decision, try it for 30 days or 90 days, give it a, you know, a quarter or six months, whatever that looks like for you. And then if it doesn't work, my gosh, like you can do something different. <laughs> and so it wasn't until I started just like trying and figuring out what worked for me and just making a decision and pivoting when I needed to. And then that's when things have really started for me to feel better in my business. So yeah, I, that's a messy way of doing it though, Molly. I don't know if that's the best way. <laughs> no, it is. It is so messy. But I think that for like those of us who have gone through it, like you said, sharing our experiences like in a podcast format or in a blog or in our emails, like it's messy for us, but then we share that so it doesn't have to be so messy for the people who come after. 
And Mm -hmm. that's what I so much love about where we're at right now. Like we can have these conversations, even though we're two states away and we can like find commonalities in our stories. And then hopefully other people that are listening, they hear that too. And they'll say, you know what? Starting a business doesn't have to be so scary. I just have to decide and then try it for a little bit. And I can always make a change later. Yes, I totally see that. And it's like, you just, that motivation and that action, does it ever come for me until I just do the thing? Like I always often wake up and think, okay, I, you know, I have to wait until I feel this way or wait until I feel motivated or wait until I know what to do and then I'll do the thing. And it's just become more and more clear to me the longer I do this is that it follows action. Like you have to take an action to know if it was the right one or not. Like I've always just waited for the sign to come and then do the action. It does not work that way for me to do the thing and then figure it out from there. It's such a pain in the butt. (laughs) And I think like for me, sometimes it's just a matter of being like so sick of myself and being like, I'm so tired of like, ugh, getting these email responses back late. And then I'm like, that's it. I'm getting a VA or something like, you know, I get to, and you don't have to get to a point of frustration, like learn from me. Don't do it that way. But that's what I notice about myself too. Like I just like, there's ways that we tick and we operate and you don't know that going into it. I was talking to a podcast guest the other day and I was like, this is the kind of mom that I envisioned myself to be. And then here's the mom I actually am. And just like, this is the CEO I would imagine I would be. And then here's how I really operate. Like we, you know, you just got to learn about yourself. I think that's what it comes back to. And then figure out what is great about that and get supports in those places that you're like, this is not going to cut it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I totally agree with that. Just um, hold, you know, kind of holding your nerve, right? Like, and holding the belief in yourself when you don't have it all figured out. Just hold, like you've gotten yourself this far, right? Like you're going to be okay. Just keep trying one thing and know that you do not have to get it right the first time. Like, you know, I can't tell you how many times I didn't do things because I was so scared I didn't know the answer. And if I would have just tried, then I would have known. So just, yeah, just keep holding that, hold that nerve and hold that belief in yourself and, and just try one thing and see how it goes. Yeah. Jenny, that's beautiful. I'm going to end on that because I want that to be the takeaway for our listeners. Thanks, Mark. All right. We're going to end with our small talk round. But before we get into that rapid fire question and answer, can you share with our listeners where is the best place to connect with you? How do they get on your email list? All the good things. Yeah, thank you. So I'm just at JennyRothCopywriting.com. And that's where I'm at on Instagram is at JennyRothCopywriting. To get on my email list, I have a free, it's a 15-minute masterclass. It teaches you how to write your email welcome sequence. So if you're building your own email list and you want to get people onto that email list, this kind of walks you through that process and what to say to those people (laughs) once they're on that list right away. So thank you for letting me share that. Awesome. I'm going to be over on your email welcome sequence freebie like tomorrow because I I looked at mine and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't updated mine in like two years. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I'm going to go over. I'm going to look at that masterclass. I encourage everybody else to as well. So thank thank you you for sharing that with us. Okay. Now we're going to get into the small talk round, which is just questions off the top of my head. And I didn't send them to you in prep. Uh, So here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Question number one. What's your go-to morning drink? Ooh. Um, okay. I drink coffee, huge coffee drinker, but I also, for me, 
I, I have to start the day with, this is so boring, like a huge, massive amount of water, of, you know, water and then all the coffee. And that's pretty much what I drink all day. Boring. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Question number two. I know that you are a distance runner. I've been following you on Instagram. Yeah. What is something you love about long distance running? Oh, my gosh. I've been a distance runner since I was a kid. So I grew up running competitively and have, you know, had love-hate relationships with running my whole life. Um, and so always been active running. I, a couple of years ago, I started walking. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm like 35. I acting like I'm like 75. I'm like, I'm just going to walk forever now. I'm 35. I will walk forever. No more running. Um, this past uh, kind of a sadder story this past fall, a girl that I ran competitively with as kids got sick um, and passed away. Uh, and so we started doing um, runs for her um, to raise money for her family. And I just started running. Um, you know, again, 10 years ago, I did a marathon. It was a horrible experience. Um, I didn't train well. I didn't feed my body well or rest well. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try this again. <laughs> Just started running for my friend and I thought I was just going to try this again and see if I can do it. And it's going much better this time. The whole goal is to just feel well to, you know, um, I think to just being at this stage of my life, I really appreciate, you know, those very early quiet mornings on gravel roads where it's just me and prayer and, you know, just, just having that time to just be appreciative of being healthy and alive. And so, yeah, I ba definitely back into running again. It feels like a privileged to be healthy enough to do it. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. such a good message. And I think <laughs> like the takeaway I get from that is that we get caught up in the end result a lot of times, mm -hmm. whether in business or running or in whatever we're pursuing. And we can say, okay, when I get to that end point, then it's going to feel this way. Mm -hmm. And really it's about, like you said, fueling your body. How do you feel along mm -hmm. the way? What's the experience like? Mm -hmm. And that makes all the difference. Yes, for sure. It's been such a huge lesson for me to learn that you don't have to beat yourself up. You know, again, there's a common thread in the conversation, but just that you can like take care of yourself through these things. And, you know, so yeah. Awesome. All right. Question number three. I was doing a little research on your website before this and you are well traveled, Jenny. So where's the best place that you have ever traveled to? Thank you. Yes. So before the pandemic, um, I don't know what Aaron and I were thinking. We took our kids everywhere and they were so small. We took them to um, Jamaica and Belize and Costa Rica and different states and the U.S. And we haven't flown since the pandemic, but we're driving out to Glacier National Park this summer. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be like a 14 hour drive. So <laughs> we're excited. Um, but I think the our favorite place hands down that we ever have been is Costa Rica. We really love taking our kids there and the people there um, and the, the beauty, like the nature there is insane. So definitely Costa Rica. <laughs> Great. All right. Question four. When you see the future of Jenny Roth copywriting, like one year from now or five years from now, what do you envision? I know that's such a good question. It's constantly... Um, I think about that all the time and I'm not sure, like I'm very happy right now writing for my clients and doing what I'm doing. And I do think I'm leaning towards um, the future, adding into that, um, helping other copywriters get started in their copywriting business. Oh, I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, so I would love to do that, specifically small town women here in South Dakota. Um, you know, we do, women here are incredible. They drive, you know, if they work outside the home, they drive 
quite far to their job. They build businesses for themselves around their families and where they live. And so just, you know, teaching more women that like you can, like you can do this in your laptop wherever you are. I think that really speaks to me. I don't know how or what that will look like, but it is definitely something I'd be honored to do. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Last question. When you guys are open to travel internationally again, or I guess it is pretty much open now, but when you guys decide as a family to travel again internationally, where is somewhere that you guys have on your bucket list? Oh my gosh. I have so many places on my bucket list. I would love to go um, somewhere to see like the Northern Lights. And I think you can do that in Greenland, right? Or like Sweden, Norway, something like that. Um, I would love to go there. I have a daughter who's just going to be 13. She's always wanted to see Italy. So that's, I would love to be able to do that with her. And Mexico, I lived in Mexico during college and I've never been able to take my family there yet. And so I'd also love to go to Mexico with my family. Um, Yeah. What about you, Molly? Is there anywhere on your bucket list you want to go? Oh my gosh, everywhere. I was just I in a group that's like, okay, create a Pinterest dream board. And like everything I've been adding has been travel. And I'm like, okay, I think this is a sign to myself that I really need to get out and do something. So like, we want to take the kids to Disney, which I know is cliche, but like I never went as a kid. And so it's been somewhere that I've always wanted to go. And I really want to go to Australia. I really want to see that. I would love to see like the Great Barrier Reef and just all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's cool. And like New Zealand just looks beautiful too. So I would love to, I would love to go that way. Yes, I'm someone who loves to be at places, but like the getting there, like the air travel and stuff is like, it's not my favorite. I love to be there, but getting there is, um, I don't know if you're like that too, but I'm not a fan of like the process of getting there. So I... My husband makes fun of me because I'm still the kind of person like this is very small town, but I'm like, oh, an airplane. <laughs> I know. And he's always like, Molly, chill. And I'm like, I'm just so excited. <laughs> I know. The experience of it. Yeah. Getting there is the experience too. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny, I had so much fun in this conversation. I know it's going to be a great, great episode for all of our listeners. So thank you for being so open, sharing with us your gifts and your story. and. I hope this doesn't add too much to your plate because I know people are going to want to reach out to you left and right <laughs> after this, but thank you for your time today. Yeah. Thank you, Molly, for having me. Thank you for your time. I just admire everything you do so much. So it's my privilege to be here. Thank you. <laughs> hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollycanuthmedia.com slash podcast. Please go out, make today a good one. Take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well lived, being small-minded. <laughs>